Some major karmic planets in Vedic astrology are entering new 12 to 18 year cycles this year, starting with Jupiter entering Aries in April of 2023. And then later this year, we'll have Rahu and K2 also crossing that uh, end to beginning of the Zodiac new cycle beginning. So we're seeing the beginning of this right now in April when Jupiter enters Aries. Really, it's next week on Friday, April 21st. So we are going to talk all about what that means, what to expect on this episode. So first, I just want to give you a brief summary that this next year time of Jupiter being in Aries will be a time to pick your battles wisely, but fight them valiantly for the next 12 months. So battles for the greater good of humanity, stepping out of your personal comfort zone to not just be an observer of, you know, things that could make the world better and just sit there in your comfort zone and think about it, but to actually step out there and do it, but to choose your battles wisely in such a way that you don't compromise your own well-being because you can't pour from an empty cup. So that's a large theme of Jupiter entering Aries, which it enters there next week. It'll be there for a year, we're going to, of course, go over all of the astrological reasons why, as well as yoga practices and journal prompts for this year-long transit. But it's important to also know that Aries being the first sign of the zodiac means that when planets enter Aries, they are starting a new cycle of the zodiac. So what you set into motion during this transit could be playing out in various ways through your life for the next 12 years. This is the beginning of a 12-year cycle. So, of course, we're going to talk about all of the details you need to know to make the most of it, uh, to find out what it means more specifically for you. And at the end, we will have a sign-by-sign interpretation that you can listen to based on your rising and moon sign. So stick around for that. First, a couple of housekeeping things. I'd like to extend you a warm welcome to the Yogi Scopes podcast They are yoga horoscopes, yoga practices for the astrological weather. I'm your host, Rosemary Holbrook. I'm a yoga teacher, almost a yoga therapist, not officially there. I've been training for a long time, Um, and I will be done this year with my yoga therapy training. Um, Anyway, and a Vedic astrologer. So we use the sidereal zodiac around here, which is why if you're unfamiliar with that, you might already be confused because... None of the Western astrologers, which are the predominant voices on the internet, especially in yoga communities, which annoys me, personal soapbox, um, probably aren't talking about this if you follow a bunch of Western astrologers. So I have an article on my blog. If you go to yogiscopes.com and uh, click on articles at the top, you can find one called What is Vedic Astrology? And it will explain all the differences. You can also get your Vedic birth chart at my website. So sorry if this is redundant. If you're not new, I just say it in case this is somebody's first episode. If it is your first episode, welcome. If you haven't gotten your chart, uh, go to yogiscopes.com chart. You can get your free Vedic birth chart along with a handy worksheet that will help you figure out what house Aries is in for you. But I'm going to tell you at the end, I'm going to do a sign by sign. I don't always do those on public podcast episodes. I do always do them in the membership, but I felt like 
I didn't get around to doing one for the Saturn in Aquarius episode, and I hinted that I would, and I never did, except it's in the membership, and it's very thorough in the membership, so you can still go and get that in the membership if you want to, um, but I'm going to do it now. So Jupiter is all about like generosity and optimism, so yeah, so here's my gift to you for Jupiter and Aries. We will do a sign by sign at the end of the episode, so stick around for that. One more housekeeping note. We are running the Mercury Retrograde Meditation Challenge again, starting on the same day that Jupiter moves into Aries. So the same day that Jupiter moves into Aries, Mercury will be going retrograde, which is a big deal. I covered it on the April Outlook podcast episode. You can go back. It's two episodes ago now um, on the podcast. I don't think it's actually on YouTube. If you're catching this on YouTube, go find the Yogi Scopes podcast listen to it there. They go, Mercury goes retrograde on the same day. And next Wednesday is an eclipse, April 19th. It's happening over that night around midnight. It's actually midnight Eastern time on the 20th. But so it's over the night of Wednesday, the 19th to the 20th. So next week is a big week. Astrologically, I will do a separate episode for the eclipse. Don't you worry. But if you want to get in on the, the Mercury retrograde meditation practice or meditation challenge, um, this will also be really good for Jupiter's, you know, big transit into Aries. Um, you can go to yogiscopes.com slash clarity because the whole idea is mental clarity for Mercury retrograde, or you can find it in the show notes or description, the link to sign up. I will cover more about the details of what's included with that challenge, what to expect, how to decide if it's right for you or not at the end. I'm ready to go ahead and get into the bulk of today's episode, um, so sorry, I usually try not to do that much housekeeping at the beginning anymore, but sometimes it happens. So let's talk about where we're going in this episode. We're going to talk about important dates for the transit, such as when the retrograde will happen, when the last time Jupiter was in Aries, um, and lots of other important things that are happening during this transit to be aware of as they relate to Jupiter. We'll talk about those. We'll talk about Jupiter being Gandanta and what that means, the dates of when it will happen and what to expect for that time. We'll also talk about a very special yoga that is being activated. So if you didn't know, in Vedic astrology, as you may know, yoga means union. If you're into yoga, you've probably heard that at some point in your yoga practice time in your life. Um, Yoga means union. So in, in a Vedic astrology sense, a yoga in Vedic astrology is the union of planets, meaning when um, there's several of there's like thousands of them or hundreds at least of yogas, of possible yogas that mean different things. And so Jupiter being conjoined with Rahu is one such yoga, a union of planets, a combination of planets. Um called a Guru Chandal Yoga. And so we're going to talk about what that means, how long it will last, what to expect for it as well. So these are just special considerations for the Jupiter and Aries transits. And then of course, as always, as we always do on these Yogi Scopes episodes, we'll talk about the overall energies of the entire transit, what's a good time for, a bad time for, like kind of things, pitfalls to watch out for, and yoga practices and journal prompts. So here we go. The last time Jupiter was in Aries was from May 8th, 2011 until May 16th, 2012. So sometimes I like to look up for these longer transits. Sometimes I like to look up and tell you like what was happening in history during that time. 
but I only briefly did. And the only major, two major news articles I could find um, for that time without sifting through every month, because that's a weird time frame. I can just look at the year of 2011, right? Because it's not the whole year anyway, was Osama bin Laden was killed right at the beginning of the transit. Um, and so that was a big deal here in the U.S. at least. It felt like a, um, that's a good, I, I feel like that's a good indication of what this, like I said, it's a time to pick your battles and fight them valiantly for the better good of humanity, which, you know, whatever your opinion is about the war on terror from the U.S., like whatever, that's not what I'm here to talk about. But in a sense, that does represent it for Americans at the time. It felt like, a victory for freedom, right? So that's a, a sort of example of this energy. Um, and then the other one was a, an earth, a big earthquake in Japan. And um, so overall, it seemed like a pretty quiet news time. Um, we did just have a pretty hefty, important news article break related to the spiritual community. I'm going to touch on it because that will be related to this transit, but just in a sense of looking back, maybe you just look back at that time of your life, May of 2011 to May of 2012, what was going on for you? What um, new cycles were you entering in your life? And is there some way you can sort of go back to that in a positive area, in a positive way and bring that sort of learning or newness of whatever you were experiencing in that year of your life um, to now, sort of in that that sense that, you know, like if you've ever heard the, the thing before that healing or learning or spiritual growth is like a spiral staircase and you keep coming back to the same lessons, but now you're higher on the staircase. So you have a bigger picture view of whatever the lesson is, right? So can you treat this transit like that? Look back, you know, 12 years ago, 12 flights of stairs down, I guess. What were you, what, what was your perspective of your life then like in May of 2011 through May of 2012? And in what ways can you integrate that lesson more deeply, go deeper with that spiritual work that you were doing at the time? Um, yeah, just think back to that time. What were major events in your personal life uh, during that time? So that's that's a one really good way to look at longer term transits, like the transits of Jupiter, Saturn, um, Rahu, and K2. You would look at back at the last time they were there in your personal life. You could look in the news, but you can also look in your personal life. What were things like for you? What was the energy like for you? How were you doing? Like, was it a hard time? Was it a good time? Can you harness that energy in a positive way now? Okay, so that's the first major important date. Um, so now let's talk about next important date. Like I mentioned, Mercury's going retrograde on April 21st, which is the day that Jupiter moves into Aries. And so Mercury will actually start its retrograde before Jupiter moves. So Mercury is stationing retrograde that day around midnight Eastern time. So overnight of the 20th to the 21st, which is right after the eclipse that's also in Aries. Um, and it will start. So that means it stopped from our perspective. It looks like it stands still in the sky instead of moving forward. It looks like it stops and then it looks like it starts moving backwards. And that's just from our perspective. It's not physically moving backwards in space, but everything in astrology is 
from our perspective, not what is physically actually doing. So anyway, um, and then it will begin its retrograde motion around 7 a.m. Eastern time. And Jupiter will make its move into Aries around 7 p.m. And so Mercury will be retrograding in Aries, which is also where the eclipse is. So that's sort of just heightening this energy, heightening this Aries energy, adding, I would say, air to the fire. You know, you ever like fanned flames and they get like sparks fly everywhere and, you know, that kind of thing that will be going on right at the beginning of this transit. And Mercury will be retrograde until May 15th. And also the sun is moving into Aries on the 14th which is Friday of this week, as I'm recording this. Um, so the sun will move into Aries and it will be leaving Aries on May 15th, which is the day that Mercury goes direct in Aries. So for this very first month of the transit, things are going to be really intense, like probably more intense than they, they might be um, for, for the entire rest of the transit. Oftentimes what I see with longer term transits is that the beginning can kind of kick things up a lot and then it levels out and then towards the end we will see any kind of karmas you didn't work out or lessons you didn't learn in your life, right? Those things might kind of come to a head towards the end of the transit, so towards next May. Um, so FYI, Jupiter will be in Aries from this April 21st until May 1st of 2024. So it will be there just over a year, like a year and a week. Um, and that's because of the retrograde period, which will be from September 4th to December 30th. So if what all of, all the stuff I'm saying sounds like a lot, like, whoa, I didn't catch that because you're listening while you're driving or walking or doing dishes or whatever, all the dates are in the planner. Everything that I just said, they're in the Yogiscopes planner that you can either go to yogiscopes.com slash 2023 to get just that, or you can join the membership and it's there. Everything is always in the membership. Um, and then the other important dates are, like I mentioned, we want to know the dates of when Jupiter's Gandanta, but I'm going to tell you those dates when I talk about what it means, which is in just a second, and the dates of the Guru Chandal Yoga. So now let's talk about those things. First of all, Jupiter is Gandanta, meaning when it's in the last three degrees of, it's three degrees and 20 minutes, technically, uh, of a water sign to the first three degrees and 20 minutes of a fire sign. So the water sign of Pisces to the fire sign of Aries. This happens again. All planets go Gandanta when they move from a water sign to a fire sign. Um, so the sun also is technically Gandanta perhaps right now. Yeah, probably right now as I'm recording this. Um, I didn't look it up. It's not that serious. But Jupiter being Gandanta, it is Gandanta from April 8th, which so it's already Gandanta. It's already in those last three degrees of Pisces until May 5th. So so that's why I'm saying this first month of the transit uh, until like the middle of May are going to be kind of intense. And so let's talk about what Gandanta means. So Gandanta means a spiritual knot. So not as in like the knot, a knot tied in a rope at the end of the rope. Like think when you're pulling on a rope and you reach the end of the rope and there's a knot in it, 
Um, in Sanskrit, knots are called garanthis. And so you can also have garanthis in the body, not spiritual knots in the body. And so how that manifests in a, I guess, spiritual sense or in a, like a, a applicable to your life sense is if you have a spiritual knot as planets move through this Gandanta point, you might, you might either dig deeper into that knot, applying more pressure to it, like perhaps by pulling on the knot, making it tighter, making it harder for it to come undone. And so not in this, um, context is a negative connotation. Like you don't want to have a knot in your body, right? Nor in your spirit. We want energy to flow freely and not be bound up in a knot, right? In a granthi. And so, um, if you, you can either pull it tighter, deepening the pattern, the samskara of the knot, or you can kind of ease into it and explore it. Like, you know, when you're untying a knot, especially think like a knot in a chain and you kind of get your fingers in there and you slowly, slowly get it a little less tight until you're able to finally undo the knot. Those are your options. When planets move through Gandanta point, you can either really reinforce the pattern of the knot or you can explore it, soften into it, notice what's coming up and perhaps undo the knot so that energy can flow more freely. And so how do you know where you might be experiencing these spiritual knots or how would you recognize it? So you might especially look at where Aries is in your chart, which is what I will be explaining in the sign by sign portion at the end of this episode. So you'll need your birth chart for that. You will need to know what you're rising and which is probably labeled on there as ascendant. Those words are interchangeable and moon signs are, so you can get your birth chart for free on my website, yogiscopes.com slash chart. Um, and I'll just tell you, so it might be that you're undoing some deep patterns of holding related to where Aries is in your chart, or it might be something else. I'm always a huge proponent of like, you are the expert in you. It's probably better for you if you just intuit your way through this, like just what is coming up for you? Where do you feel stuck? Where do you feel like energy is not flowing freely in your being, in your spirit? And what ways can you soften into that? Especially for this time between April 8th to May 5th, while Jupiter is moving through its Gandanta zone. So in a general sense, um, while it is on the Pisces side of the Gandanta zone. So this is from April 8th. So like right now, until it moves into Aries on the 21st, around 7 p.m. Eastern time, the Gandanta zone through Pisces can cause emotional upheaval, confusion, perhaps a lack of direction. Um, and so it might be that you're being called to confront your inner fears um, and step out of your, your comfort zone and notice where those fears might be coming from past traumas. Fears are usually some part of our being trying to keep us safe from something that we feel like we've experienced before, right? Or seen before. And we're trying to brace against that or protect against that. So can you soften into it, notice what's happening, work towards that emotional healing so that you can step outside of your comfort zone and experience that growth. So that's something to think about while Jupiter is moving from April 8th to 
May 21st, while Jupiter is moving Gondanta through the Pisces side of its Gondanta zone. And then after the 21st until May 5th, so that's like two weeks. Yeah, that's two weeks because May 5th is a Friday. So two weeks while from the 21st to May 5th, while Jupiter is moving Gondanta through the Aries side of the Gondanta zone, um, it might be that you then experience a strong desire for success and recognition because Aries is a lot about standing out in the world, being known as the person, the individual you are. That's very much Aries energy. So you might feel a strong pull towards that, especially during these first two weeks while Jupiter is Gondanta. So that's a kind of underlying theme of the entire transit. Um, but then while it's Gondanta, you might notice more obstacles and delays um, during the Gandanta zone. So it's important to notice those, notice ways that you might be bracing against the obstacle instead of flowing like water over a rock, right? Like through a river, the water doesn't like hit the rock and stop. It finds a way to either go over or around the rock or it softens the rock over time, right? So think about that visualization perhaps for those two weeks, uh, the first two weeks while Jupiter's Gandanta in Aries from the 21st of April to the 5th of May, 2023, that's a Friday to two weeks later, Friday. Um, yeah. How can you practice patience and perseverance to overcome those challenges to really set yourself up for success for the rest of the transit? So you might be undoing some things if you can work through those fears and explore the past traumas that maybe led through those fears of yourself, like standing out and being seen, um, stepping out of your comfort zone and putting something into motion that you've been wanting to, especially related to the house that Aries governs in your chart, which I will tell you in the sign by sign, or you can look it up by getting the birth chart decoder. Um, if you want to explore it for yourself and kind of learn how this stuff works, it's a good first step. Um, so yeah, so that's the Gandanta zone and that's really like, I mean, it happens any water sign to fire sign. So Pisces to Aries, Cancer to Leo, um, Scorpio to Sagittarius. When planets cross those boundaries, they are known to be Gandanta. And so you might be exploring ways that you can release your stuckness. And just like a knot, the harder you pull on that stuckness, the more, tightly bound the knot is going to become. And same thing with like, you think like a knot in a muscle, sometimes just stretching and pulling on that muscle doesn't help it release. It's actually the softening into it by using your breath to calm your nervous system that will soften the knot. So think about that while this Gandanta zone is happening from now, it's already happening until May 5th. Can you work through that stuff or are you going to ingrain the patterns deeper? So now let's talk about the Guru Chandal Yoga. So as I mentioned, yoga means union. There are several yogas in Vedic astrology. So that's different than what I say when I, every podcast episode, when I'm like, I'm giving you yoga practices for the Vedic astrology. What I mean when I say that is like things you can do on your mat, like poses or things you can yoga practices off the mat think like svadhyaya self-study that's what the journal prompts are breathing practices pranayama that kind of stuff that's different there is also um 
yoga means union, unions of planets. So it can be in the same sign. It can be um, certain like other configurations where they're like making special aspects to each other. Or like some yogas are like if this house ruler has mutual aspect or exchanging signs with this other house ruler. So there's lots of rules of things that can make yogas. And they're fun to explore. But this particular one is when Jupiter and Rahu are in the same sign. It's known as a Guru Chandal Yoga. And so Jupiter and Rahu will be in the same sign. So Rahu's been in Aries since last April of 2022. So for about a year now. And so Rahu will remain in Aries until October 30th of this year of 2023. So for that time, from the moment Jupiter moves into Aries on April 21st of 2023 until Rahu leaves Aries on October 30th of 2023, we will be under Guru Chandal Yoga. And Jupiter and Rahu will exactly conjoin. So from the time they move from the time Jupiter moves into Aries until this date that I'm about to tell you when they exactly conjoin, they will be moving towards each other. So this energy of the Guru Chandal Yoga, which I'll explain in a second, will just be heating up, right? Like it will be intensifying. And then on this day of the exact conjunction, which is May 27th of 2023, then they cross that's their exact conjunction and then they cross over each other and from that point on, they will be uh, switching places, beginning a new cycle, the energy of the Guru Chanda Yoga will probably diminish. It will still be present, but I, I think the um, it's going to be heating up until that date, and then it will kind of continue to play out, but whatever groundwork will have already been laid. This is That's just my opinion, but as any astrologer, so what we're here doing, we are giving our opinions based on our observations and our study. So other astrologers might have a different opinion on how this can play out, but that's what I think. Um, and so what does the Guru Chandal Yoga mean? So uh, I would say, so basically let's think into the energies and archetypes of both of the planets of Guru, Jupiter, and Rahu. To, and the sign of Aries to understand more how this is going to play out. So, as I mentioned, Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac. So it has this very ambitious quality to it. It's ruled by Mars. That's where the ambition and drive comes from for Aries. It also has, on the shadow side of Aries, another keyword I often hear associated with Aries is arrogance. And so... There can be a certain confidence that comes with Aries energy, which is good. On the shadow side, an imbalanced confidence from Aries energy can result in arrogance or um, the same thing with the ambition to where you're just like getting burnt out, right? Um, so we want to find that balance of confidence and ambition rather than, you know, not putting ourselves out there versus putting ourselves out there so much that we get burnt out, right? Or becoming arrogant. So so that's the Aries energy part of piece of this puzzle. Jupiter, let's talk about Rahu first. So Rahu is the head of a snake that has been 
severed from the body. That is the symbol for Rahu. I did a whole podcast episode just on Rahu and Ketu and the mythology. If you want to hear the whole story, uh, you can dig back through the past episodes to find it. It's called Karmic Indicators in Vedic Astrology. You can see a video with visuals in the membership. Um, I think the visuals are helpful. But anyway, um, so because of this symbol, think of this symbol. If What do we do with our head? We think, we see, we hear, we smell, we taste. So five of our six senses are coming in through the head. We eat through the, you know, in the head. We think, right? And where do we digest in the body? So a major archetype of Rahu is just taking in, consuming, consuming, taking in all this sensory information, food, whatever, and not necessarily integrating it or digesting it, which is helpful. So like there are some times that Rahu energy is like good, I guess, like it can be, it can be good. I'm not of the mind that everything Rahu is bad. Sometimes it feels like people feel that way or act that way. Uh, but I think there are good, um, expressions of Rahu energy of being able to take in a lot of information, but what good is that information if you can't digest it and process it or same thing with food? That's the whole idea of like an Ayurvedic cleanse, um, which I just covered on the science of light podcast, Ayurvedic cleansing, which you should do at the juncture of seasons, which we are pretty much at one now anyway, but I digress. Um, is focusing on your digestion. That's very K2. Like, how are you integrating? Um, and so Rahu and K2 are opposite ends of the spectrum. Jupiter will be with Rahu and Jupiter being the guru, um, is the teacher. It represents optimism, but also expansion. So to some degree, Jupiter being here with Rahu can expand this energy of wanting to just take in, consume, not integrate. But I do think that, um, uh, Jupiter can soften it a little bit. So, so it can only be good. Jupiter can bring out the positive sides of the Rahu energy. So the major themes of the Guru Chandal Yoga. So this is happening from the moment Jupiter enters Aries on April 21st of this year until Rahu leaves Aries on October 30th, which remember up until May 27th, this energy will probably be building. And then after May 27th, it will be dissipating, but also maybe playing out whatever sort of groundwork you laid before May 27th will be setting the stage for how it's going to play out after that, which is the exact conjunction. That's the moment they come to the same place in the sky. Um, so the themes of Guru Chandal Yoga. I think there are major themes around digesting what you're taking in. So the help of a teacher can really help you integrate that knowledge or whatever you're consuming more to get out of that space of just consuming, consuming, consuming. There's so much information out there, but if you're not, you know, so we're in the information age, like it used to be that information was hard to access. You know, you had to like go to the library and check out an encyclopedia or some shit. And it was a lot of work. 
Um, and now everybody just has all the information they could ever want at their fingertips. But why are we not, you know, in a lot of senses, not better off for it? Maybe we are, maybe we're not. Is because it's not just having access to the knowledge, it's being able to integrate it and apply it to your life in a meaningful way. And that's where a teacher can help. And so same thing with food or whatever, but I'm not a dietitian or I don't do that. So I'm not going to go there, but maybe you can explore how that's coming up for you. Um, and then also on a perhaps more positive note, a major theme of the Guru Chandal Yoga is luck. So Jupiter also represents luck to some degree, luck and abundance in birthing new things because Aries being the first sign of the Zodiac. Um, yeah, so it just, yeah, you might be birthing new things during this time and doing so can bring luck and abundance. And so I was going to save this for the end, but it feels like a good time to insert it Related to that, Guru Chandal Yoga, I am launching a program at the end of Mercury Retrograde that has been in the works for a long time. It's a course, and it's going to be called Astrology for Yogis. I'm going to teach you how to do what it is that I do, which is learn how to understand Vedic astrology enough that you can build your practice around it, whether that is your home practice or if you're a teacher and want to theme your classes in a way that are that is accessible um, for your students, even if they, like I teach at the Y, y'all. So I teach online to people who have opted in because they care very deeply about Vedic astrology, but in person I teach at the Y and half those people don't give a shit about astrology, period, let alone Vedic astrology. And they still, this is how you get your students to say, wow, that class was perfect timing. That's exactly what I needed right now. Great class. Like, yeah. So that program will start in May during this time. That's where you can lay the groundwork before that exact conjunction. This can help you. This course can help you digest all of the information about Vedic astrology it, that there is out there because I hear people say it's so vast. I feel so overwhelmed by it all the time. So that's what this course will help you have the guidance to understand what's important so that you can apply it in a meaningful way to your practice, your spiritual study, or that of your students. If you're a yoga teacher or otherwise a healer, whatever. So that's the new thing I'm birthing uh, for this transit. And the Mercury Retrograde Meditation Challenge, top three winners, the top, the, so there's a way, like when you engage in the community platform, you get like points for clicking that you completed the meditation each day or for like liking somebody else's post that they completed their meditation or commenting. You get points for all the things that you do and it's not on social media. And so the top three most engaged people, the number one most engaged will win a spot in that program. So I'm still, I haven't gotten to the overall energies for this transit I'm going to get there in a second. It'll be a nice wrap up, but just FYI for the Mercury retrograde challenge, since I'm talking about it, I might as well go ahead and tell you, and then we'll wrap up with the overall energies. What's a good time for bad time for this whole transit as well as, um, the sign by sign yoga practice and journal prompts in the sign by sign. Okay. So quickly 
the Mercury Retrograde Challenge. You can sign up now by going to yogiscopes.com slash clarity. That's C-L-A-R-I-T-Y. It's also linked in the show notes and description. You can't miss it. Um, and so basically, it includes that community support element and accountability. And that's what that was the major piece that folks said was transformational last time. So that you're not trying to develop or rekindle your meditation habit on your own. And so the whole idea is that Mercury retrograde can disturb the mental clarity. It can make us feel a little bit vada in the mind, you know, like a little bit airheaded, have communication breakdown. So just coming back to your meditation practice during Mercury retrograde can enhance your clarity, avoid those communication breakdown. The, the pitfalls of Mercury retrograde meditation practice is the jam. So that's why we do it together. And so you can do an optional social media cleanse during that time. I potentially will be. I did last time, took the time off of social media. Um, and so at this time, last time it was free. This time it's paid. It costs less than a month of membership, um, which is, so it's cost $37 to join. One time fee. It's not one of those things where it signs you up for the membership and you have to cancel before the end. No, you just pay and you get kicked out at the end unless you sign up for the membership either at the beginning of the challenge or sometime during the challenge. Um, and it's, so it's basically a membership trial because you get access to our off social media platform that's very supportive. The folks in there are lovely and wonderful. You get So you get direct like text access to me via that platform. You can ask me questions anytime about whatever. You know, I'm happy to talk to you astrology related or not via that community. And now you get access to the practice library. So all of the past guided meditations and yoga practices searchable by like, oh, I want to do a practice for, you know, moon and Aries or whatever. Um, you have access to that guided meditations you can follow along with. And we are having a chart check-in this Thursday. So if you sign up for the membership before then, the chart check-ins are basically like mini readings. So if you've had a reading or even if you haven't, you can submit questions about your chart or um, how current transits are hitting your chart. So this is what uh, this developed out of folks would often ask me after a reading. They'd be like, how can I stay in touch? What if I have follow-up questions? And so that's where the chart check-ins came from. We have one tomorrow, so if you join the membership today, you can submit your question and come to the one tomorrow, or even if you can't come live, um, I will answer your question and you can watch the recording. Um, but then we also have one during the 30 days that you'll have access to the platform, so you can come to it then, um, and the winner gets a free spot in the upcoming course, and the two runners-up will get a free reading. Um, so lots on the line for very cheap. I, I'm going to tell y'all, I don't have a huge community, very engaged community, but you're not up against like thousands of other people in this running, right? Like you have very good chances of winning one of the three prizes. So worth it. Even if you don't win one of the three prizes, um, the benefits of the meditation challenge, last time folks said it was transformational because the approach I take is not to just give you a guided meditation every day. In fact, I don't do that. This time there's journal prompts. There's a workbook with suggested practices, um, journal prompts for each topic of that day to help guide you along. But so there will be guided meditations if you want. But at the beginning, we will go over a mindset shift to make your meditation practice more sustainable in your life. 
right? So I'd love to see you in there. This is a good way, I think, to kick off this, the beginning of this transit with all of this challenging energy I was talking about, like the Guru Chandala Yoga, um, Jupiter being Gandanta, especially Mer So Mercury is retrograding the same sign. And if you sign up before Wednesday, next Wednesday, the 19th, you can come live. So you also get access to our live Monday and Wednesday practices. If you want, you can come live or because you have access to the practice library, they're uploaded there right after. Um, so you'll have access to the eclipse yoga practice either way, but you can come live if you sign up before Wednesday, or you can catch the recording if you sign up period. So I'd love to see you in there yogiscopes.com slash clarity. You can also email me if you have any questions about the challenge or the upcoming program. I actually don't have any materials. This is my first announcement. I don't have like a wait list for the program or anything. Maybe I will by next week. Um, yeah, by next week's podcast episode, I can throw up a wait list really quick. But if you're interested in that, more details, I would say the best thing to do is join the challenge because there is a free spot in the program on the line for the challenge winners and the program will start um may 19th is what's slated for the welcome call uh so to join to get set in the program may 19th so a month from the eclipse it's just at the end of our eclipse season so we'll talk more about the eclipse on next week's podcast episode so now let's wrap up this episode with the overall energies of the entire Jupiter in Aries transit, what it's a good time for, a bad time for, journal prompts and yoga practices, and then we'll get into the sign by sign. So thanks for sticking around this long. I hope, it is my hope always that this episode, like for these longer transits, they're so long and slam packed with information because you might be referencing this information for a year, right? So the overall energies of this Transit number one, um, expanding ambition. So given that Jupiter is the planet of wisdom and knowledge and Rahu here for the first portion of the transit, first like almost six months, like almost half of the transit, um, Rahu is heightening this Aries energy of ambition, Rahu bringing the desire. Um, so when these two planets are here together, in Aries and then Jupiter remaining in Aries until next May after that, May 1st of 2024. It's just expanding ambition. It's a really good time to be super ambitious and lean into that, but lean into that in a way that you're not getting like adrenal fatigue, burning yourself out. That's actually what we explored partially in our moon day and yogi scopes flow practices this week the recordings of those practices a guided meditation and flow practice for jupiter and aries are already live in the membership um and so if you sign up for the challenge you get access to that stuff on the day of the eclipse april 19th um next wednesday or if you sign up for the membership you get the challenge too but you can access it right now and you can come to the um chart check-in that's tomorrow, or you can have your questions submitted for it tomorrow, April 13th. Um, and so the other major theme is intelligence and wisdom, like expanding your intelligence and wisdom. So especially while Jupiter's with Rahu, you might have a great desire to expand that wisdom, which is why I'm like, this course has been in the works. It's been in my brain since 2021. Like 
I actually created the product in my um, website where like where I host the membership, I created the space for it in like October of 2021. And it's taken me this long, I suppose, to feel good about putting it out in the world. And part of that has to do with I took maternity leave and kids and stuff. And so anyway, maybe you can harness this energy somewhere in your life. Maybe it's taking a course. Maybe there's something you've been ready to birth into the world for a long time that you're just using this little push um, to put out there. Plan it. Do it, right? So, Or pursue that intelligence and wisdom. Pursue that connection to a teacher that will help you digest the knowledge and information you consume and turn it into intelligence and wisdom. So that's the Jupiter energy versus Rahu energy where Rahu's been in Aries where you might've been just taking stuff in. And when you integrate it, it then turns from information to intelligence, from knowledge to wisdom, right? So that's the Jupiter energy, which will only continue to to manifest after especially that 27th May 27th date when Rahu and Jupiter exactly conjoin um okay so next is strong willpower so whatever wherever Jupiter goes it just expands the energy that's already there and so Aries is often willpower your motivation your drive your third chakra right your warrior energy um courage, determination. And so with Jupiter there, it's just going to expand your willpower, which is great. Willpower is great. But remember, discipline is better than motivation. And that's the Saturn in me talking. I'm like entirely ruled by Saturn. So of course I had to put that in there personally. Um, And then it might also bring during the Guru Chandal time especially uh, materialistic tendencies. So be on the watch out for that. If that, I mean, that's fine. It's fine to pursue uh, artha, material wealth, worldly desires. Like we need that stuff. We have to eat. We have to maintain our body. We have to live. So just make sure that you balance your materialistic tendencies during this time with being grounded in spirituality, being grounded in a greater vision of service, hopefully of serving the greater good, in what ways can your drive and ambition for wealth, perhaps, or towards self-serving, materialistic type things, in what ways can you do that in such a way that it serves your ability to serve the greater good, right? And then also another overall energy of this entire transit is impulsiveness or restlessness. So like I said, Like for me, for example, it's giving me the oomph I feel like I need to like, so Jupiter's in Dante and Pisces right now, personally, in my personal practice, I have been working through the fears that have been holding me back from releasing this program. Like what if something happens with my kids and I can't deliver it? Well, I'm just going to show up different in a way that I ever have. So that's working through the fears of, of like, you know, putting this knowledge into the world. So you might be doing something like that. But balance that, working through those fears, especially while Jupiter's Gandanta in Pisces, so from April 8th, 2023 to April 21st when it moves into Aries, then it will be Gandanta in Aries, right? Like we talked about. Um, Can you balance that with not just being impulsive and restless, not just going on to the next thing because 
you're bouncing around right or or fanning the flames too much where there's just embers and sparks flying everywhere kind of thing can you balance your agni be ambitious in nature but try to see something through especially as jupiter and rahu are moving towards each other until their conjunction on may 27th right and then lastly major energy of this transit and this i Meant to get here, here we are. This is a long winding episode. So conflict with authority is a major theme of this transit of Jupiter and Aries because Aries is the warrior. You know, it's ruled by Mars, the warrior planet. Um, and Jupiter, guru, represents the authority, like that your teachers, your authority, people that are above you, right? Um, and so especially while Rahu is there, we're going to see these like challenges of authority, challenges of the systems that exist. Um, and so content warning, I guess maybe I should have put that, the Dalai Lama. So if you haven't seen that hit the news, if this is the first time you're seeing that, he basically was acting inappropriately with a child in front of a large crowd and the video surfaced and he apologized for it in a way that to me felt a little bit like, like, what the fuck, dude? Like, no, like you can't just say that was playful. Like, even if you meant it playfully, it was inappropriate. And there are other people defending it. They're like, you don't understand the ritual. And I'm like, I don't care what the ritual is. It's inappropriate. And so that is a long-standing system of authority, the Dalai Lama, over, like, Tibetan Buddhism, which is very related to yoga, um, a pillar of the spiritual community for even people that aren't uh, Buddhist, right, or born into that, or, like, just the, I know so many Americans that are, that look up to the Dalai Lama as a spiritual leader, even if they aren't Buddhist, even if they're Christian, for example. So, um, yeah, so that's sort of like fall from grace or folks that are like, that's not okay. That's unacceptable. Um, we're going to see more of that. And so as I know, many of you are yoga teachers or otherwise spiritual leaders in your communities. I've found after talking to lots of people in this community, most of you are healers in some way. Maybe you're a massage therapist. Maybe you are a, a therapist, there, like a talk therapist, mental health practitioner, whatever, yoga teacher, some combination thereof. Like if you cared this deeply about your spiritual practice to care about this like pretty niche topic, which is astrology themed yoga, um, and you've made it this far in the episode, you probably hold some spiritual authority in to some degree, right? You have like you know, you're somewhere on this spectrum, probably. So can you examine, this is, isn't this is my trauma-informed background coming out, can you examine how you can remove the hierarchy in your teaching, in your way that you hold space? Um, and that's something I aim for a lot, and I know some folks say that the way I approach my teaching sort of undermines my own authority, but that's why you'll often hear me th say things like, you're the expert in you. Like earlier I said, I'll tell you where Aries is in your chart and I'll help you interpret it. Um, but somewhere in your being, you probably know this isn't about me bestowing my spiritual knowledge on you. Nothing in this podcast is. This is about me 
helping you sort through this wonderful system that is Vedic astrology in a way that makes your life better, makes you more aware of yourself. It's not about me telling you something. And so that's my approach overall. And that comes from a lot, a lot of trauma-informed and social justice training and reflection. So can you invite some more of that into your life, into your practice? Can you examine your relationship with authority in such a way that it doesn't have to be a conflict necessarily, unless, unless I think if that authority is oppressive or does something inappropriate, that you would bring up that conflict. So that's what a major theme for this whole transit, if I could sum it up, is pick your battles and fight them valiantly. So some things need to be said, like, hey, Dalai Lama, that was inappropriate right? Um, even if you didn't intend it to be inappropriate, it was, right? So that kind of stuff. Um, pick your battles. Maybe don't like just pick fights just to pick them, right? But the ones that really matter for this transit, even if they are with somebody who is in power over you, can you explore what it's like, especially if you're a person in power, to uh, facilitate what's known as power with rather than power over. So this applies to if you have children as well. We'll explore this some more over the transit because this is big, right? Um, but this whole thing about fighting with authority, uh, teachers falling from grace, I'm like, cool, because I've been talking about for a long time that I mean, and a lot of women have, honestly, like this, the embracing the feminine where spiritual communities, it should be more of a circle than a hierarchy where the teacher's like bestowing, going to smite you with some knowledge that you didn't have. No, the teacher is more there to hold the space so that you can access that knowledge within yourself, right? So that's what I'm hoping we see more of. It might be a fight along the way during this transit. We'll see. So um, what this is a good time for pursuing higher education, um, and using your willpower for the greater good over this whole transit. And then it's a bad time for impulsiveness or being dogmatic and causing fights. So that's where, for example, with this, um, uh, Dalai Lama thing, sorry to like keep harping on that, but, uh, for the folks that are like, no, you just don't understand the culture of that ritual. I don't, care. That's like, you know what I mean? It's like, that's some, some dogmatism that we can maybe let go of. Um, yeah, because it's just, anyway, I feel strongly about it. If you can tell. Um, so can you examine how dogmatism is coming up for you or how you're interacting with it? So Jupiter and Aries, again, people might get really riled up about their beliefs because, People might be ready to fight for what they think is right. And that's the whole thing. That's why philosophy and stuff is like a big topic because it's really complex. And what seems right to one person, you know, some things seem more black and white, but there are lots of gray areas when it co comes to what's right. So can you just examine where that dogmatism is coming in? Where are you just upholding the systems, the powers that be, the status quo, just because that's the way it's always been. That's what dogma feels like to me personally. 
And in what ways can you pick your battles to fight for what really feels right and important? Because sometimes what feels right to another person is different than what feels right to you. And they can have their right and you can have yours and y'all can just go on your merry way. And sometimes it's something worth standing up for. And that's the challenge. That's what like that might, that theme might be coming up a lot. So don't just cause fights just to cause them, just to do it. But it might be a time for using your willpower for the greater good. So just, that's the balance of this transit. So the yoga practices in general, third chakra work. So that includes deep core work. That includes, we were doing in our practice today, some um, breathing to expand around, especially the base of the rib cage, feeling that pressing outward of the low ribs and pressing, you know, thoracic mobility um, in a physical sense for the third chakra. Um, and, but then also confidence building asanas. So that could be different for a lot of people. What asanas are going to, postures are going to build your own confidence. But, you know, um, it could be what's considered physically challenging. Whatever's going to build your confidence. It could be long holds, whatever. Um, and then also yana yoga, which translates as doubt-free intellectual knowledge. So the study of texts for the purpose of self-realization, for the purpose of deep inquiry into the nature of who we are, which is why I'm like, gosh, it's time to put this program that I have into the world because a lot of it is going to be your own chart self-study um, as your own perfect case study in the astrology for yogis course. We're going to learn how to understand Vedic astrology charts as well as, you know, what's what's happening so that we can build practices around it so that we can tailor our own practice to whatever season we're in, what we need. So it's going to be a lot of self-study, but also with that element of if you do teach yoga, because I just, turns out I wasn't like calling out yoga teachers, but many, I, many of you I've talked to, um, are yoga teachers. And so this isn't, I'm a YASEP, a yoga Alliance continuing education pro provider. So you can get continuing education credits for this course. Um, but it's not aimed at yoga teachers. It's more for your own, um, knowledge and self-realization. Um, but we can talk about it if, but sequencing is an element of it, right? So anyway, journal prompts, how, um, connected do I feel to my inner teacher? How many of my decisions are dictated by others' suggestions, opinions, or the status quo, right? So that's a big theme of this, this transit is connecting to your inner teacher, your inner guidance, your, your inner expertise about what's right for you in any given moment, um, and not just acting based on the status quo. So we'll explore that with that journal prompt. And then in what ways am I being called to step into a leadership role or take charge in my life? So in what ways are you sort of becoming the teacher? Uh, how can I use this transit to help me develop my leadership skills? And then third journal prompt, there's a lot because this is a year long transit. So these might be worth exploring over time. How can I use the expansive and optimistic energy of Jupiter in Aries to cultivate a positive outlook on my life and stay focused on my goals? Um, what practices or techniques can help me maintain this mindset? I'll give you a hint. The Mercury retrograde meditation challenge can help get you started. Rekindling your meditation practice 
but it could look different for you. Just explore it. Um, and so fourth journal prompt, are there any areas of my life where I could use more assertiveness or courage? How can I use the energy of Jupiter and Aries to help me take more risk and pursue my goals with confidence? So assertiveness and courage, how can you harness that more um, versus aggressiveness, right? And, and impulsiveness, assertiveness and courage, the balanced version of impulsiveness and aggressiveness, right? Um, and how can you use the energy of this transit to take risks in a healthy way, step outside of your comfort zone, not in an impulsive way. And on the other hand, do I need to soften and take less risks? Have you been on that impulsive, aggressive side? In what ways could you soften, right? So here we go. Let's jump into the sign by sign. So again, you will get your chart. If you don't already know your Vedic, not Western, your Vedic sidereal rising ascendant and so those are interchangeable, rising or ascendant, um, and moon signs. You're going to go to yogiscopes.com slash chart, and you're going to put in your information. It's not stored on my website. It's You just put it in there, and you get your chart, and you get it right then. You don't have to give your email address for it or anything. Get your chart, look at your ascendant and moon signs, and listen to those two signs to get an idea of what area of life this transit might be impacting for you and some things that you might focus on or be on the lookout for. So for our Aries rising and moon signs, this transit is happening on your first house. I suspect you've already been feeling it with Rahu on your first house for the past year, but it might feel now when Jupiter moves there that that Rahu energy of upheaval or um, just doing a lot is eased to some degree, but you might also feel like, especially over the next year, that your self is just expanding in all directions. If that feels like too much, just remember to kind of stay grounded, come back to what makes you feel like you, whatever that means, even if you've been out of touch with it for a while. Embrace your inner fire, that Aries quality of inner fire, and don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Just be mindful, especially because Aries is probably a large part of your nature to try not to be too impulsive or overbearing or tend towards aggressiveness, remember to balance that with assertiveness, that courage over impulsiveness, right? Aggre assertiveness over aggressiveness. Um, and just, yeah, stay true to yourself. Keep learning and growing in all areas because when transits happen on the first house, it can kind of touch all areas of life because the first house is you. It's your personality. Um, you might experience some self-growth during this time. So, Good luck. I hope it is good to you. And I think it will be, especially once Rahu moves off your ascendant, I think it'll get better. So for our Taurus rising and moon signs, this is happening on your 12th house, which is all about your spiritual side, your um, meditation practice, a little more implicated for you, Taurus risings and moons. Um, your internal realm, your subconscious mind, what messages are coming through in your dreams would be a really good time to pay, really good thing to pay attention to during this time. So for you, having a regular meditation and yoga practice, it, practice and maybe even a journaling practice or especially keeping a dream journal could be a really good way to sort of turn the information that might be flowing through your subconscious into wisdom or knowledge to apply to your life. That's an extra 
beneficial practice for you. It's always beneficial, but it might be extra beneficial for you during this time to really go deep with exploring your um, subconscious. But remember not to get too deep into your subconscious that you kind of step away from the world, get removed from the world and worldly pursuits. Make sure that you find that balance between your inner realm and sort of sorting through the messages that come up there and still being an active participant in your life and your daily routine. So for Gemini rising and moon signs, this is impacting your 11th house, which is all about your long-term goals, your gains from your career, and also your network. So it might be that you're meeting a lot of people during this time or just expanding your network. Your, your network of friends and people might be changing um, and, and just maybe a stronger focus on building community, learning in community. Um, it's a good time to join a club or an organization that aligns with your interests like the membership. If you're here listening to an hour long astrology episode, that's a community around Vedic astrology, um, or just to be collaborative at work. It's also a really good time to, to nurture those colleague relationships and whatever you do, um, for work that can really bestow a lot of luck and abundance on you. If you nurture those friendships, colleague relationships. Um, and so with the 11th house being about, um, gains from career and long-term goals in life. Uh, just remember that it's not all about like you and what you want. So balance that community element and the team and being a team player with your personal goals. So that's going to be probably on the mind, the balance there of like pursuing being a go-getter, good, do it, go for what you're after. And this might be a really good time of abundance and prosperity and manifesting that. Just be careful not to push others away. So find that balance of um, community and colleagues and collaborating with supporting your own goals. So for our Cancer Rising and Moon signs, this is all about your career and your public image. It might be that you are expanding in your career now in ways never seen before, especially while Jupiter is with Rahu. And then more so after Rahu moves off the 10th house. So when Rahu leaves Aries in October of this year, you might find it even better time to build a strong, positive reputation for yourself. While Rahu's there, it's like, this has like going viral energy. If you have any kind of, um, work in that realm. Um, but yeah, it might also be that while Rahu is there with Jupiter on your 10th house that you are taking a new leadership role, taking your career in a different direction. Um, just be mindful of trying not to take on too much, um, or being too self-focused, too reputation focused that you don't just like put in the work and do the work. Right. So yeah, good luck. I hope your career expands in magnificent ways for the next year. For our Leo rising and moon signs, this is happening on your ninth house. So the ninth house is of Jupiter, of guru, of teachers, father figures, right? Spiritual higher learning. So what I mentioned on the, the general portion of the episode, um, expanding your horizons, spiritual learning, that stuff is a little extra indicated for you, Leo rising and moons. Um, 
It's also a good time to travel. Traveling can expand your horizons in new ways, especially going on retreats. That kind of stuff would be a really good way to bring more luck and abundance and prosperity into your life um, during this time. But with that in mind, you might need to be a little extra careful about being about that dogmatism that I mentioned on the general um, things to be careful about. What is a bad time for, right? So be on the lookout for falling into extremely dogmatic circles with your higher learning, right? Um, or just, just really examine that relationship with your beliefs um, and what, what those are formed by. That's what this whole transit is a good time. So that could come through higher learning, um, spiritual teachers, travel, or just examining your own relationship with your beliefs. So for our Virgo rising and moon signs, this is happening on your eighth house, which is, so that's like Scorpio energy, death card energy, if you're familiar with the tarot, um, major transformation, which transformation sounds like nice, like to get to the butterfly at the end, right? Um, that's beautiful and wonderful, but remember the caterpillar has to completely disintegrate in order to become a butterfly. So it might be that to reach that transformation, you're working through some really deep emotional turmoil type stuff, um, or working with your own psyche. So this is a good time to kind of delve into that. If you have good support in place, like maybe a therapist could help, um, as you work through that stuff, it's also, yeah, it's a good, it, it might be a good time for, financially for you because eighth house is also known as like other people's money, especially inheritance from in-laws. If you have in-laws, um, or just like earning money from other people, right? Uh, Jupiter in the eighth house could just only expand that. But so while Rahu is there, be, be careful with the stuff that's coming up for you internally. And Jupiter might bring some more optimism if the Rahu for the past year has been challenging on your personal finances, on your emotions. Um, if you've been feeling, if you've been experiencing things that cause sort of upheaval or maybe obsession with the occult, um, Jupiter might just ease that when it comes there. So good luck. I hope that you see the beautiful butterfly at the end in your life. Um, yeah, just, just know that the beautiful, the views are worth the climb, right? Or whatever those cliche, all those cliche sayings might be helpful as you work through the stuff that might be coming up on the way to your beautiful butterfly. So for our Libra moons and ascendants, this is happening on your seventh house, which is all about marriage, business partnerships. So intimate partners, yes. Um, romance partners, like boyfriend or girlfriend type, you know, partner, not contractual partners are seen more by the fifth house. So this is affecting your seventh house, which is all about contractual relationships. So that's why I want to make that caveat where it's like, if you're married or if you have a business partner because you're bound by legal documents to establish the business, that's like a contract. Same thing with actually, this is not in Vedic astrology. People don't talk about this as much because I don't think cohabiting with partners before you're married is very common in India to my knowledge, or it definitely wasn't when Vedic astrology was formulated and passed down. 
But I think if you have bills, shared bills, shared lease with your partner, that partner could fall here too. Anyway, seventh house is also just in general, how do you relate to other people? What is your relationship style, attachment styles perhaps? Um, it's a good time during this transit to focus on building strong and meaningful relationships with others. So it might be that you start a new business with a partner. Collaboration could be really good right now or strengthen your relationship with a business partner. If you have one, there might have been some upheaval, uh, some challenging situations related to business partners or your marriage for the past year or so. Um, while Rahu's been there in your seventh house, but if you don't have a business partner or uh, a marriage, you might meet one during this time, right? Or if you do have one, it might be a time of strengthening um, those relationships and just really expanding your, what you can control in the relationship. How are you showing up um, in the relationship and how can you really um, balance your own desires, like that Aries energy, because that Aries energy is always present in your seventh house for you with um, collaboration and working together and making the relationship beautifully serve the greater good of both of your lives. That will be on the mind for this entire Jupiter and Aries transit. And I hope it is a beautiful, sweet time for you, especially after Rahu moves away from that house. Um, and just FYI, while Rahu is still there, it might feel like your partner or business partner, marriage partner, whatever, um, contractual partner needs more support from you. And it, so this is where we talk about relationships aren't always 50, 50. It might be that during this time you are giving more than 50% more consistently and your partner, uh, seems to be taking. And so just be careful with that, that give or take or thing. Just know that for long-term relationships, it's not always 50, 50, and there might be a, an extended imbalance while Rahu is there and so can't meet that support that your partner or business partner is requiring of you in a way that doesn't compromise your own well-being especially until october 30th when rahu moves away for our scorpio moon and ascendance this is happening on your sixth house which is all about daily routines and health physical health so if you don't already have an exercise routine or a good spending habit routine. For example, if you have a lot of debts, it could be a good time to focus on paying, having a good plan to pay those debts off or else they might expand, right? Or you might just find the abundance to really work through debts if you have them. Um, yeah. And just think about your work life, your daily routine, what, in what ways can you enhance your routine to better serve all areas of your life um, and find that balance there between what might be a tendency to overdo it or push too hard um, just by having Aries in the sixth house in general and you're ruled by Mars as a Scorpio rising your moon. You have a lot of this fiery go, 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 push, push, push energy, right? Can you find that beautiful place where you feel integrated and abundant and achieving your goals, working towards your goals in a daily routine way and in a healthy way. Um, yeah, that's the balance. And it's all about routines for you, Scorpio rising and moon signs. So for Sagittarius rising and moon, um, this is 
all about your fifth house, which is romance, creativity, children. I think with fifth house, I think very much like second chakra stuff, right? So sensuality, yes. Um, also, the another aside from second chakra stuff for the fifth house is past life merits. What are what are your strengths? So you could look into past life merits as in like reincarnation, like what did you learn from past life? Maybe you get a past life regression if you're into that. Or otherwise, just like do a gift inventory. What are you naturally good at and how could you lean more into those things? Then also, I'm of the mind that we can use our charts to study what we're naturally good at, but we also want to let that illuminate our weaknesses so that we can enhance those things so that we have more merit, I guess, in this life, right? So um, focusing on strengths and weaknesses and what, where can you skill up during this time? Um, and then just embracing creativity, letting yourself be passionate and sensual in a creative pursuit, in whatever you do, or in romance, if you have romance in your life, like whatever, you might just be feeling more optimistic towards that at this time. It's a great time to let your inner child run wild or maybe do inner child healing work if that is something that needs to be done. Um, I actually have some upcoming resources about that. If you want to know more, reach out to me. I'd be glad to tell you more. Um, or you can just wait and it'll, it'll come. Um, you'll hear about it on the podcast. Um, yeah. And just be careful not to tend towards, I'm going to say this wrong, perhaps hedonism. I've been accused of being hedonistic before personally. So just, just like overindulging, watch out for overindulging, um, when it comes to pleasure, right? But explore that, explore pleasure in your life, pleasure for pleasure's sake, creativity for creativity's sake, your inner child. If you have children, it's a good time to improve your relationship with them. If you want to have children, Jupiter in Aries or Jupiter transiting the fifth house is a good time for, um, conception. If you don't want to have children, be careful because Jupiter in Aries is a good time for conception. So if you are a Capricorn rising or moon, this is happening on your fourth house. So that's your relationship with your mother or mother figures. You might be exploring, especially while Rahu is there and over the eclipses, if you have a mother wound. Um, so ways that can manifest like how, what is your relationship with nurturing yourself, being nurtured, allowing yourself to be supported, create, how is your inner sense of peace and comfort? Do you have a good sense of internal home? Because the fourth house is also your literal home, like, and fixed assets, they call it like property, like your vehicles. Um, so it's a good time for that, actually, like if you wanted to buy a house or, um, move or like improve your house is good for that. It's also a good time for ex improving your relationship with your inner home, your inner sense of peace and comfort. Um, and then also considering how that is related to wherever it is you come from. So what is home to you? Is there a place, a, a, a motherland, if you will? Um, do you still live there? Do you have a really deep connection with your actual house and the people that live within it now, it's a good time for that kind of stuff, for just sprucing up that kind of, you know, those areas of life. Um, it's a good time. Good, good for those things. And so things might be coming up while Rahu is there with Jupiter 
things might have been coming up around that, and then they might start to ease as Rahu moves away in October, and especially during that time from October to next May, should be a really good time for inner sense of comfort, connection with, you know, mother figures, your mom, motherly people in your life, or your mother land, going back home, that kind of stuff um, could really help during this time. So for our Aquarius rising and moons, this is on your third house. So third house to some degree is learning. Um, I think like little bite-sized learning, whereas ninth house is more like a graduate degree or something, which there is an aspect to the ninth house from the third house anyway. Um, but then also communication, throat chakra. Um, it's a good time to be putting yourself out there in the world in, uh, media, media, like social media, blogging or podcasting, um, or just connecting to communities, especially, especially locally communities, like in your neighborhood, whatever that means, your town. Um, like for me, I've got like five neighbors period for like miles around. So it might not be your physical neighborhood. Um, you might live in a neighborhood or you might not, it might be just a broader community. People that live in the vicinity of you, can you connect to them, communicate well with them, um, and then maybe take some short trips. It's a good time to, yeah, just be going on short trips for, um, expanding your knowledge, for exploring your, your vicinity, your area, um, and just being really focused on how you communicate and communicating well with others, improving communication skills, throat chakra work, really putting your truth out there. It's a good time for that, for Aquarius risings and moons. And so for our Pisces rising and moon signs, uh, this is happening on your second house. So you might be considering finances, diet, speech, and your early family life. So like I mentioned for another sign that inner child work, if you examine where your, your money stories, your view of, of eating and diet, um, and that kind of stuff and the way you, you express yourself, talk is influenced by your early family and maybe enforce the things that are working, work to, to shed and learn about some things that aren't working. Um, it can, Jupiter transiting in the second house can be a good time for like your assets and finances, like having more of them, having abundance there. So that's, that's cool and fun. Um, but it's also a good time for focusing on your, your inner self-worth and how that is coming out through your speech. Um, yeah. So working through that, working through how, so this is what inner child work is, is like how your early family life, your caregivers, your parents, whatever, your adults in your life that took care of you or, or maybe didn't, um, how that influences how you show up in the world, especially when it comes to diet and speech and finances here. So, um, yeah. So just be careful not to be too obsessed with material possessions or money, especially while Rahu is there, um, and focus more on building like long-term stability for yourself. Also be careful of overindulging. Um, it's a good time to have a really good nourishing diet, whatever that means for you. You can explore that. I, like I said, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not the one. So thanks Pisces for sticking around to the end. I appreciate you for everyone, whether you're listening or not, please remember to keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars and stay in the light until next time, friends. Take care.